The Beaux-Arts Photography Podcast with Alan and Natalie Brio. This is an introduction to the Artistic Color Mastery Workshop on USB. During this presentation, what I'm going to do is take you through the different parts of this new tutorial and briefly introduce each of the different contents. And those are broken down in three categories. There is PDF files, there are audio files, and then there are video files. And let's start with the contents page that gives you the list of contents. It's broken down in 16 sections. The 17th one is the table of contents that we're looking at here. And then you have a biography, a quote, the color found, which is a list of all the specifics of the creation of this particular tutorial, and then the end page. See, if we go back to the first page, the first thing to do is click on this start here, and we have access to the different files about this tutorial. And there is a number of files that are introductions. These are PDF files for you to read. And then you have an introduction, which is also an audio file. Uh, introduction to the Artistic Color Mastery Workshop. This is the introduction to the Artistic Color Mastery Workshop. The goal of this mastery workshop is to teach and demonstrate how I transform color photographs. My so we're going to keep this short so that we don't com consume all the time going over uh, each of the files. But I want to show you some of the important things, which is after the introduction, we have the artistic foundations of color that are very important. And these take you through the different types of colors the variables of color, it's basically a tutorial on how color works, HSL, use saturation and lightness. You have the black, the white, and the gray points that are really, really important. And you have the Munsell color system, which is what I go with in terms of a foundation of color. And I found out that Munsell is truly very, very relevant, even though it goes back to the early 19th century. Uh, it's really, really useful in understanding color today. I go into color balance, artistic color balance, color wheels, the language of color, all of that. And then I go into color palettes and color harmonies, starting with defining what is a color palette, going into how to analyze a color palette, and about how to create your own color palette, which is the foundation of a personal style. There is a very large section on color harmonies, starting with what is a color harmony, and continuing with the nine different color harmonies, which are the monochromatic color harmony, the complementary, analogous, triodic, cool color, warm color, and then the split complementary, the tetradic, and the square color harmony. All of these are really important to understand in order to create your own color harmonies. All of that is part of a study of color in a creative aspect, that is, as an artistic endeavor. I go into a discussion of monitor calibration. This is very important because monitors have to be calibrated. There is an audio presentation about that. Introduction to the monitor calibration section. This section focuses on the monitor that I use. The monitor is important because our monitor is where we make decisions about the color we use in our photographs. And because this mastery workshop is about artistic color, being able to see the color precisely 
and see the actual colors that we're creating is very important. Okay. So there is several files about the monitor that I use. There is also a discussion of how to monitor Calibrate for fine art and how to switch color modes depending on the application that you're doing. That's all very important. The monitor is crucial. A lot of people think just of the monitor. You also have to think of your viewing booth, and I talk about that in the audio presentation that we just went through. In section five, doing unspeakable things in Lightroom, I start to use video as the teaching tool, and here's one of them. This video is about transforming mid photographs in Lightroom. And it's a two-part video. The first part is what you're watching right now, which is transforming midday photographs in Lightroom. And then the second part is in the next section, which is the Photoshop section. And it's titled Transforming Midday Photographs in Photoshop. And that's part two. Here we are. So that's this video about transforming midday photographs, which is really important. There is many videos, there is uh, over 50 videos on the tutorial about creating masks in Lightroom, about color grading, about luminance mask, about brush mask, color range mask, all sort of uh, different types of masks that can be used to create artistic color. The goal is always the same. It's focusing on how to create artistic color photographs. But of course, we need to use technique. And for that reason, I go into the Lightroom presets that are very important about how to create a preset, what is a preset, how to use them, uh, that's very, very useful, and uh, how to convert presets into profiles. Profiles are important because that's what we're going to use when we go to LUTs. A LUT is a lookup table, and we're going to see that in section 8, I believe. Section 7 is about Photoshop, uh, continuing the transformation of a color photograph taken in daylight, and seeing what we can do with it. A lot of photographers don't... This is the second part of my Transforming Midday Photograph video series. Part one was doing the work in Lightroom, and part two is continuing this work in Photoshop. A lot of photographers don't photograph during the time because we think that the light is too harsh, it's too much contrast, it doesn't have color. All of that is true. You know, light at noon is harsh, it's straight overhead, it's not grazing light, it doesn't have a three-dimensional quality, it doesn't have much color. However, when you know, and that's what I teach, how to take a daytime photograph and do unspeakable things to it, you can transform it and make it a very, very interesting photograph. And that's what I show in some of the videos here. In this video, I'm going to talk about shadow highlights which is one of the important aspects of my processing. And so here is basically a before and after photograph. This is nothing else than something that was done in Lightroom or in Photoshop or in both of them, and completely transforming this daytime photograph at left, which as you can see had harsh light, no color, no real interest, you know, what I call a banal photograph. And at right, we have a photograph that has a green sky, a sunset color on the rocks, the contrast is gone. All of that is really about transforming the photograph from a daytime, boring, banal, uninteresting photograph into something else, something which is artistic, something which is really eye-catching and really interesting. And I saw multiple examples of that. This is just one of them. I have a long section about creating teal or turquoise sky photographs or green 
uh, skies. This is something that I'm known for. And all of these are very simple, very easy. You just need to know how to do it. You know, that's basically what it is. You know, there's nothing else to it. And I have a video on just that. Let's look at how we can create a green sky. That's something that I'm asked very often and something that I enjoy doing and something that I'm not for doing. So let's take a look at how that can work. Here we have a photograph that we've actually worked on earlier on in the, select, the selection of luminance, the luminance mask in Lightroom. And here what I've done is add a green sky to this image. That is, I thought, well, you know, it worked as a nice luminance mask image to correct the shadows. What if I put a green sky? And it works quite well. So this is what I started with, and then this is what I ended up with when I was done. So let's see how we can redo it. So this video shows you exactly how to redo what I started with. And the next section is about doing unspeakable things with LUTs. LUTs are lookup tables, and we start with LUTs in SER, Adobe Camera Raw, then Lightroom, and then Photoshop. And then in section 9, I go into how to do unspeakable things with 3D LUT Creator, which is a software package that is designed only to create LUTs. This is the second part of this section on LUTs, and this second part is devoted to one software package, and that is 3D LUT Creator. And if you are like me, you are just learning LUTs, which was my situation two years ago, I accidentally discovered that package, and I had never heard of it, and probably you have never heard of it either. It's not a mainstream software package, it's not something that most photographers use, but when the goal is to transform color, 3D LUT is it. So this is the opening screen of 3D LUT Creator. The way you start it is you launch the software and this shape here, which I think is an octagon, will be the startup screen, and then you drag your photograph to this gray area here, or you can also do a file open image, and that will open it. But I personally drag it on the screen. Uh, the gray area is empty when you first start the software. This is software that has one goal and one goal only, and that is to adjust tone and color. It doesn't do anything else. It doesn't sharpen, it doesn't offer vignetting, it doesn't do you know, all the things that Lightroom and ACR and other raw converters do. It adjusts tone and color. And so there's a number of ways to do that, a number of uh, windows, and these windows are at the top. A, B, so this is a introduction to 3D Art Creator, and then it's followed with a number of tutorials that are very detailed. And those tutorials are video-based, and some of them are PDF-based. I have an extensive manual that I created of 3D Art Creator. It's actually here, um, and it will allow you to study 3D Art Creator with an enormous advantage because the problem of 3D Art Creator is the complexity. So this is um, the manual that I created here, and it really simplifies a lot of the interface of 3D Art Creator that are naturally extremely complex, extremely sophisticated. The possibilities are enormous, and it took me a very long time. As you can see, this tutorial is about 30 pages long, and it took me a long time to create that 
and really clarify the approach to 3 dot creator. And this section follows a section on LUTs in SER and in Lightroom and in Photoshop because you can use LUTs there as well. So if you like LUTs, you don't really need to buy 3 dot creator until or unless you want to. You can create LUTs in SER and then use them on your own photographs outside of uh, 3D dot creator. So 3D dot creator is really a piece of software that we can use to go as far as possible with LUTs. However, uh, this is also possible to be done in SER and in Lightroom and in Photoshop. That is, SER is necessary to create LUTs and then you can work it in Lightroom or in Photoshop. I also have a section on creating subtle LUTs. And the reason for that is because a lot of people think that a LUT is by definition something extreme, something where the color saturation is through the roof, something that's completely you know, out of reality. It can be that. However, what I'm showing here that is because if I create a subtle LUT image in Lightroom, obviously I'm going to apply a LUT, you know, one of those here. Um, it can be any of them. You know, I'm going to pick one of my LUTs probably, you know. And then what am I going to do? Well, once I select that LUT, I'm going to close this and I'm going to go back this and here in the um, adjustment palette, you know, the basic control palette. And what am I going to do? I'm going to do more of the basic control adjustments. And suddenly I can go into HSL and I can maybe create a mask or several masks and so on. But I'm not going to be able to find anything that I did not have before the LUT. So this video shows you how to take a simple photograph and make it something that doesn't have to be extreme. This here would be an extreme. And then, as you can see, I'm working my way towards a very subtle rendition of this photograph at the end. And this is basically LUT-based. That is, I could not create this particular image here without using LUTs, but I'm not using them to do something completely off the wall either. So a LUT is a very flexible piece of software. It's a very flexible tool. You can use it to create a dramatic photograph, something which is completely out of the ordinary, or you can use it to create something very subtle. The thing that's very important is that what we can do with LUTs, we cannot do with any of the other controls in Lightroom or in Photoshop, and that's why I use them. Obviously, if I could do what I can do with LUTs with Lightroom or Photoshop controls outside of lookup tables, then I would. And the reason why I use LUTs is because you can't. It goes deeper into the changes of the photographs because it makes changes at the level of the lookup table. That is the way software looks at one color and transforms it into another color. And normally a LUT is something that is used to correct color. That is, a photograph might not have uh, be captured exactly with the exact red and so the LUT is going to change the red that may be a little bit too saturated or not enough saturated pushing the saturation a little bit you know a few points but it can also be used to turn a red into a green and that's the power of LUTs is the flexibility the range of use it's an enormous range of use. There is also a section on the exercises because learning is one thing practicing is another and these exercises are here to let you practice what we studied in this tutorial and give you a chance to do that on your own photographs. So you can do exercises such as variations on a single photograph, there is creativity exercises, there are artistic landscape photograph exercises, there is also 
insightful essays such as asking yourself when is your photograph finished now this is a good question how, how do we know that a photograph is finished and how do we know that what we created is fine art so those are here to help you reflect and think about this there is a long section about my presentation of my work about my recent photographs and these are filled with examples of my work some of them recent, some of them going back a couple of years. Nothing goes much farther than a couple of years because that's when I started working with color as the main focus of my work. Until then, I was trying to create realistic colors and then all of a sudden, as I say in the introduction, reality let go of me. I no longer was interested in reproducing reality or representing reality. I was interested in creating something that was completely different, that departed from reality. And uh, it resulted in things like this here, where we have a complete de departure, complete transformation of reality. And that's very important. Um, it's what I talk about in the introduction. For a long time, my work was about creating a photograph that was believable, but maybe not realistic. But believability was very important. I wanted people to believe that what was shown in a photograph could happen, whether it did happen or not was not important, but that it could happen was important. And then a few years ago, I decided to do things like this where it could never happen. There's no way that reality could show me a transformation like that. This is not ever going to happen in the landscape. We can have this one here more saturated. We can have it with better colors, but we can't have it the way it is on the right side. And so that was really the, the point of departure, so to speak, of my new work, which is you know, a complete transformation of reality with no concern for whether it's believable or not. Did it happen? No. Is it believable? You decide. Probably not. You know, It's not that important to me. Um, that doesn't mean that I do only photographs that are off the wall, but that means that I'm giving myself the permission to go much farther into the transformation of the color. I'm no longer concerned with the reality aspect, with the believability aspect. I'm only concerned with expressing myself and doing whatever I feel like. One of the things that I started doing this year is what I call repeated processing. And what we have here is an example that shows a photograph that went through a large number of the same processing. This is where I started. This is the Lightroom conversion. Nothing else was done to the image except uh, what I did in Lightroom, which was basically lowering the contrast and correcting the color, no local adjustments, I think. And this here is what I ended up with after I did this series of repeated processing. So obviously a dramatic difference before and after. And in this file, which is available on this mastery workshop, I have all the layers that show each of these repeated processing. And I also have the settings that I used. And the repeated processing that I used here was basically a shadow highlight processing. We have um, the detail of this processing here with the amount, the tone, the radius, and the color. And I pretty much used the same settings for each of these processors. And as we see here, there are nine different processors. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start by clicking each 
processing layer one by one so that we can see the gradual changes. And as you'll see, these changes are not very noticeable uh, individually. They become noticeable when we get to the end, when we get to the last one. So this is the first one, okay? And this is the settings of this first layer here. Shadow highlight, opening shadows, and um, not really touching the highlights. There was really not much to be done with the highlights. So this is the first uh, layer. This is the second layer. We're starting to see some of the changes, and these are the settings again. Pretty much the same. I, I made a slight change between... So this video shows you a very important aspect of my new processors, which is the repeated processing approach. And that has totally transformed my work. And I teach that in detail. Uh, it can be done with a number of processors. Here I showed one of them, but it can be done with a number of processors. And each of these videos show the transformation of one of my photographs from the raw file to the final version. They are very, very useful, very revealing of what I do, and they teach you exactly how to do what I do. There is a section of essays which are related to the subject of this new tutorial, and that is essays focused on breaking the rules, so to speak, on going and doing the things that, for example, the photopolis, uh, which is a nickname for people that feel that photography should just be used as a form of representation of reality. The photograph should be believable. There should be beautiful versions of the world, but not transformations of the world. And I go into what, you know, they don't want you to do, you know, and, and that was a very important aspect of what I did in freeing myself from you know, let's say, the influence that these sort of gatekeeping people have. And that was really part of the process that I went through. You know, I had to write about it in order to get over it. I had to break free from the shadow that the people that came before me, you know, what we call the masters, had on me, you know, because their skills, you know, their achievements were so over-dominating that I felt like I could not do anything unless they had done it in one way. I could do what they did and try to do better, but I couldn't do something dramatically different. And so that held me back for many years. And then, as I said earlier on, a couple of years ago, all of a sudden, that grasp that they had on me, that grip, you know, the grip of death, let go of me. I was free, I could do whatever I wanted. I was no longer concerned with being judged according to the people that came before me. I wanted to do something that was purely personal. And so what, that was these essays go over. These essays were published in different uh, places on the internet. They are here presented without any form of advertising or any form of reference to my workshops or to my work uh, that is for sale. So you have a clean version and they are presented in chronological order. That is, I started with the Photopolis, these three parts. I then went into the Paramount Shift essays, these two parts, and those that came before, how long do art movements last, the persistence of style, the artistic profession. And I wrote that essay, the artistic profession, because a lot of people think that being an artist is not a profession. On my business card, it says an embryo artist. That's and then my phone number and my website. When I show my business card to people or when I tell them, if they ask, what do you do? 
that I'm an artist. Their next question is, oh, that's great. What else do you do? Well, that's unfortunately all I do is I'm an artist, period. Who are you? I'm an engineer. Oh, what else do you do? Or what do you mean what else do you do? I'm an engineer. You know, being an engineer is a true profession in their mind. Being an artist is not, you know, and I go into why that is because it's very hard, you know, and I understand that there is less artists than engineers, but then <laughs> there are professions that have just a very small number of people. You know, you have aerodynamic uh, engineers, which are probably not very large as a group, but people don't ask them what else they do, you know. So artist is a profession that has questions attached to it. You know, it has myths also. It has all sorts of things that are preconceived ideas. And I go into all of that. And that's important because if you don't think you're an artist, well, guess what? You can't create art. And most photographers don't believe that they're artists. When you ask a photographer, are you an artist? Or when you say, well, I really like your work. I think you are creating art. I think you're an artist. They're like, well, I'm not sure. I don't, that's not how I see myself. I don't see myself as an artist. Okay. Well, that's all very interesting. But in that sense, you know, if you don't think you're an artist, how can you create art? And, you know, the same as if we go back to engineer, if you don't think you're an engineer, then how can you be an engineer, you know, or a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, whatever profession people have. Very, very important. I have also the series on David Pye, which is uh, six parts. And that's a very important aspect because that's what I did during the pandemic. I studied David Pye because I was interested in his relationship between art and woodworking. And I thought maybe I can make a parallel between his writing, woodworking, and photography. And that's what I did here. And those essays are really the outcome of that study. The... The next part, which is 14, is a section where you have a lot of lots, presets, charts, and profiles that I use in my work. And I provide these profiles to you on the Mastery Workshop on USB, and this is the list of some of them. You have a lot of them. You have also the export presets that I use, you know, so you don't have to work on it if you want to open a Photoshop, uh, sorry, a Lightroom file directly from Lightroom to 3D.creator or Lightroom to Photoshop. You don't have to figure out how to do it. The settings are there. You just have to import it into your Lightroom uh, preset folder. And the location of those folders are in there. The next section, which is number 15, is a list of master files. And so what this does is basically give you Photoshop files that when you click on it, it will open in Photoshop. You just have to go through this little interface here. And then you have the file here. And if it has layers, then these layers are present as well. So here are the layers for this photograph. And what you can see is that the Lightroom conversion here is already quite a ways from the original version with, you know, obviously very purple colors. And the main change in terms of color here is the 3 d lot profile or the 3D lot lot. You know, a lot and a profile mean the same. They are two words that are used interchangeably. And uh, then on top of that lot, I did a little bit of selective color. And the settings for that selective color layer are here as well for all of the colors. Okay, So some colors will have changes. Other colors will not. It depends if they're present or not. Obviously, in this kind of landscape, there are no greens, so there won't be any changes in the greens. But you can see how it is. You don't have the raw file because that was actually starting from a conversion from Lightroom. But it shows the effect, the power of a lot here, changing the color completely. And you can also save this lot by clicking on this window here and then saving it as a lot. And that would actually 
uh, make it possible to use again on another photograph. So I'm going to close this, and we are not going to save it. And you have 35 different uh, master files here, and each of them has a um, detailed list of adjustment layers in here. And so here we have all of these, and this is what I started with. This is actually the original, not capture, because this was actually a collage of two photographs done in Lightroom. I, so I did that. This is the export from Lightroom. I made very few changes, just a slight correction of the highlights and the shadows. And then I did a warp to straighten the horizon. I reformatted it to 4x5, which means stretching the image vertically. And you can see here the full size. And then I applied a LUT called the Indian Profile LUT, which you have. I applied another, no, this one I did not use. I applied another LUT here, which is IMG 164. I did a selective color layer and then a LUT duplication layer, which I did not use. So what you have also in those layered files, these master files, are things that I decided against. That is, I tried you know, to see how it worked. I did that on this size here. And to me, that was too far out. And that's the power of LUTs. You can easily do that, you know, just with a simple LUT. I did not like it, so I took it out. And this is actually a collection of different layers. And then I tried this one. I did not like it either. And so I settled for this here, which was basically the warp, the reformat, this one, and then this one here. Uh, sorry, this one here. Oops, I'm getting lost. Uh, this one here. And so that the outcome is this photograph. It disappeared, but we're going to bring it back. And so, you know, we went from having a, a very uninteresting photograph, you know, which was this here, you know, too small, tilted horizon, all of that I fixed, you know, which is what I did before. And then I started using LUTs and got to this very, very colorful photograph, you know, to me, beautiful. It's a complete transformation of reality. Could that happen? No, there's just no way, you know, even at sunset, I wouldn't have that because the LUT goes beyond just correcting, you know, let's say the color in terms of saturation. It changes everything down to the core of the color. It actually color creates colors that I could never achieve with the traditional Lightroom or Photoshop techniques. And that's why I use them. And you really have to study this tutorial to understand the power of LUTs. Otherwise, you sort of uh, miss the point a lot. So here is number 15, section 15, with all the master files. Section 16 is the conclusion. And the most important aspect of this conclusion is how important it is to work on achieving your personal style. And that's a personal journey, obviously, on finding your voice, meaning your voice in terms of photographs, your visual voice, and on finding inspiration. And then the very last essay is something that I wrote actually after I completed this tutorial, which is about the fact that color is not a fixed attribute of a photograph. It is a transformable aspect of photography. And that's really something which to me sort of brings a lot of my reflection uh, on my work on photography to a closure because obviously when people think that a photograph has to be a representation of reality, an aesthetic representation, the colors might be just perfect, you know, adjusted just right, you know, the contrast adjusted just right. They are not really talking about the fact that color is, like I say, a transformable aspect of photography. They think that color is a fixed attribute. It was blue, 
Okay, that's what they say. It was red. Very often when I do print reviews, people tell me, but that's the way it looked. Well, okay, cool. You know, I agree. You're, you know, I'm not going to challenge you. It probably was the way you presented it, but it doesn't look good. <laughs> you know, it's boring. It's uninteresting. It's, it's the way a thousand other people, if not 10,000 or a million, have done it before. Be original. That's what art is. And so a lot of this tutorial is based on my own personal concept of art, which is that art is a transformation of reality. And that's what I say in the very introduction of this photograph. The artistic color mastery workshop on USB started as a question, how do I use color to create artistic photographs? And the second thing it is based on my definition of art, which is art is the transformation of reality. Not just the aestheticization of reality, not just the beautification of reality, but the transformation. And transforming means taking something and making it into something else. And I believe that that's what I do in my work. You know, when you look at the before and after versions, you know, for example, um, I'm really taking a photograph and I'm transforming it into something else, you know, trying to go back to some of the before and after comparisons. For example, this one here, you know, I take this and I transform it into something else, something that I have never seen, except in my mind. This is not a reference to reality, this is a reference to my own personal ideas, my vision, my inspiration, my personal way of representing the world. So this is it for this overview of the Artistic Color Mastery Workshop on USB. It's available and uh, there is a lot more information in the description page. So I will let you go back to that. And if you have any questions, just uh, email and uh, we'll try your best to help you. So thank you for watching and have a nice day. And I hope you enjoy the Artistic Color Mastery Workshop on USB.